to uh, do a podcast with you, Virginia. Uh, you know, we'll discuss some things here. We haven't really put any plans together, but uh, I think we have a lot of different uh, talking points. Uh, you recently came to the U.S. Mm-hmm. about two weeks ago, and you were able to experience America's culture and get a first-hand experience in New York City and meet the people and take the transportation and do the walking and see the sights and uh, you know very interested to hear your perspective and we'll ask a little bit about yourself later and just you know have a nice casual conversation okay sounds good so with that said uh, which uh, airport did you fly into JFK JFK yeah and what was your flight trajectory before that did you uh, take like three planes to get here from uh, West Sahara or? Yeah, so we fought from Tindouf in Algeria to Algiers, then from Algiers to Rome, then from Rome to JFK. And were there layovers or was it kind of flight of course, to flight? Of course there's layovers, otherwise it's too easy. Nice. And so, I guess, was it on a Monday you got into the U.S.? On Saturday. On Saturday. Okay, so you had a few days to just take it easy Yeah. and try to get jet lag out of your system? I don't suffer from jet lag. I have a very good, like, trick. So when you arrive to the U.S., when you arrive from later to sooner, you just have to not sleep until the night. Just like, even if you're really, really, really tired, because in your home, it's like five hours later. Just don't sleep until the night. That's my trick. And it works. And it works. I didn't so when have you any arrive, problem. you're tired, and then you sleep, essentially. Well, yeah. Usually, when you arrive, imagine that you arrive at like five p.m. Mm-hmm. For you, it's like ten p.m. So you you want to f- fall asleep. So you just go to bed. Yeah. But then you'll wake up like eight hours later, which is in the middle of the night here. Okay. So it's better to just hold on until the night, and then you sleep like a baby. All right. Well, I'll I'll try that out next time I do my international flight. There you go. It works the same the other way around. So like, just don't sleep. Okay, yeah. fair enough. It's a little hard for me because I like get my sleep 100%. Usually I can't really deny it, but if I have a flight, then I can like stay up the whole night before or something like that and do packing usually. <laughs> All right, so you got to the U.S. not jet-lagged on a Saturday. There you go. Which means you were pretty much ready to go and you know enjoy some night walking or you know get dinner or something like that. Exactly. And then Sunday, you took it easy, maybe did a little walking around or exploration? Not true. Sunday, we were all day in the office. Oh, so you worked Sunday? Yeah. Wow. You were in the uh, New York office here? Yeah. Interesting. For the whole day. We finished at like 11.30 at night, mm-hmm. so we worked the whole day. It was oh. not really a Sunday. Gotcha. And then well, It was Sunday on the Muslim terms, like. Yeah. but not here. So based on like your typical work week over in Africa, it made sense, right? It did. But then the Friday was heavy. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, were you able to get away from work and explore, or did you pretty much work for the next week? 
No, I think the whole week we were working, we had back-to-back meetings. Yeah. The only thing we took time is to go to see the Statue of Liberty on Tuesday or Wednesday. That's it. Everything else was work, one after the other. We had like meetings one after the other. We had no time to even think about things. I had to like take time in the evening to think, like collect my thoughts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, and do you want to talk about work specifically, or just at a high level of what kind of work you do? I'm and- so bored of my work right now. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. All right. Fair enough. So let's talk about then kind of what you're passionate about, I guess. Like, you know, did New York kind of trigger any creativity or excitement that, you know, you have in your life? Um, It's hard to say. Actually, I get my passion from working in the field. Mm -hmm. So working in a big city, I don't think, is the place where I'd find inspiration. Um, It's not really in this kind of place that I'd find it, but definitely meeting different people and walking around the craziness of the city is definitely like something that triggers something into you, but I'm not sure it's positive. And we're back. Uh, So, you know, for 2018, were there any interesting events or like notable occurrences that kind of got you motivated or stood out as we approached the end of the year? Um... Sure. I mean, I live in a context where you don't really... People have been there for 43 years. So renewed hope or like new emotions, new momentum, all that. It comes really... Like, it's a very complicated thing. I can't talk. I don't know how to talk. So, you know, you got into New York City, uh, outside of the work that you've been doing, you've been able to explore some of the different landscapes and yeah. communicate with some of the people and, you know, what's your impression of New Yorkers and Americans and, you know, are people generally happy here? Is there a little craziness that's involved? You know, or is the subway like slowly making people become, you know, weirdos or? <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um, well, I mean, this is my first time in the U.S., so I don't want to extrapolate from New York to the whole Americans. I'm sure everyone's not like that. But um, New York is madness. Like, New York is pure madness. I think it's like, it's like you know, like, the Triangle of the Bermudas is where everyone gets lost? I think this is where everyone gets lost. Like, this is where everyone comes with so much hope. And I think a lot of people come from you know, places where they don't have many opportunities or whatever. And they come here to look for that. And they have so much ambition. And then it kind of feels like a trap. Like, 
I've seen so many people and I'm talking to them. I'm like, how long have you been here? And they say, oh, it's been six years. Like, I thought I would just come for two months or something and discover something new and try something new. And then actually I got stuck. And this is a word I've been hearing. Like, I got stuck. I'm trying to leave. People saying I'm trying to leave. It's like, it's like this city and the way it's like the urban um, landscape of it. It looks like a prison. I don't know if you've ever seen this. So like, there's no way of escaping. Well, we call it the concrete jungle. <laughs> Do you want to make sense? Like, and, you know, pe- people typically get lost in the jungle, right? It's like you know, yeah. trees and forests, and you know, I guess the you can equate like the concrete buildings and you know, the, like. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, I feel like I feel like it's so. Um, how would you say like clean and neat and tidy like yeah. it's so it's organized to, it's so organized it's so organized that you can never get lost for example like i tried to get lost and i couldn't which i always in my life i've always been able to get lost so easy but here you can't because there's numbers and you, you everything is so organized i think like it's like humanity is supposed to be chaos and here they've forced it to be planned and clear so people build their own kind of chaos, which comes from like yeah. mental disequilibrium. And so many people here are insane. I think there's a reason for that. So you're saying there's like a like a false sense of organization in the sense that structurally, transportation-wise, building-wise, food-wise, everything has this pattern of structure and because people, so many different diverse, you know, nationalities and bring upbringings and, you know, preferences for things kind of create this chaotic element and the organization of the city plus, you know, the chaotic people, quote unquote, don't really mesh in a, like a, a true sustainable way as a, you know, a city. I think like no, no place, no place for a human should be so organized because the thing is it, it kind of locks you down like look at this place where we're now like it's everything is so square and everything is you know perfect this is not nature nature doesn't do that so i think this place has gone so far from nature that that we ourselves don't know how to be normal humans so people lose their minds i don't know like i don't know your experience of the two but the subway sorry um but everyone's out of their minds, like in the streets. I don't know, like, I think people are looking for something that's genuine and the city is not genuine. I think also because people come here with their own ambitions and their own dreams and they're like very set dreams. This is why you travel half of the world. You don't come here for like whatever. You come here with very specific dreams and then you look for them, but this is not how it works. So you often just get disappointed or things, don't work and you end up being really unhappy about it. So I understand that there's a mismatch between the people and you know the environment and the city being so vast it's kind of hard to really cater to the people in as much as it really caters to itself and it's all about you know getting parking tickets or you know selling passes you know essentially the state and the city have to generate money to just you know support all the different parks and ferry rides etc uh but with that said you know i i do find that people are uh really enamored with new york city 
even that, you know, bartender who's stuck here and says, you know, they've been here forever and, you know, they kind of want to move on. Uh, you know, essentially there's, there's something that draws them to the city that, you know, tells them to get up every day. And I wouldn't say that people like drag themselves to do what they do always, you know, in some cases maybe, but in a lot of cases people do interesting work or work with interesting companies or, you know, have, you know, really high objectives, like such as yourself, you do great work. That's, you know, not just local, but it's global work. And, you know, for me, I kind of find New York City to be a much global, big picture type work environment. Whereas where I'm from in Philly, it's a city, but it's smaller. And sometimes the sites or the objectives just aren't as far reaching. Mm. So. I see that, but it's like an ideal. You see, it's like a dream. This this place, what what I what I see people say about it, and how I feel like I'm li living in it in just those two weeks is like, it's an ideal. It's what people wanted. They always talk about what they wanted when they came here. They don't really talk about how they feel right now that they're here. So they're always comparing back to their own cities and saying, but here it's so much better for this and this and this. Like. We have so many opportunities and there's like, you know, people from everywhere and food from everywhere and there's so many things. It's the quantity of it. It's like, wow, it's like you were looking at a jungle and instead of saying how dangerous and unhappy you are, you would just say, but look at all the fruit there is. It's like, yeah, there's fruit, but, you know, if you fall, you fall. And here, it's also due to politics, but here there's no social net like there would be in a country like where I come from. So here, like... When I see people in the street begging and saying, I don't have a place to stay, I believe them because I don't think the system here really protects people. Like with insurance being so high and people like going to a hospital and saying, please help me and they're not being helped. Like this kind of stuff makes me feel like the jungle is even harsher. It's like, it's not a nice environment where you would feel safe. Where you'd feel like your, your basic interests are being safeguarded. Do you see what I mean? Like, I feel like it's it's um, like I don't know. Sometimes when I see people walking in the street, they look like jaguars. You know those animals that kind of like go like this. Like, I don't know. Everything is like a fight. It feels like a fight. Yeah. You have to run to get to the bus, and you have to you know all these things. There's definitely a struggle, and there's definitely like. You know what's called the New York walk where you kind of just walk fast and like through and you just kind of have focus and you kind of need that because you know the walk slow kind of is just it's like you'll never get to your destination or you're not going to make that train and then you'll have to wait 20 minutes for the next train so there's always something that's kind of like having you move quicker than yeah probably you normally would in another place uh but it's more than that it's like Even the time that you have, you don't you don't like enjoy it. Like for example, I don't know. Like I see on the two on the subway, sorry, people are are there, and they're trying to maximize the use of their time. So like I see people like reading at the same time listening to a podcast or like you know it's like just stop it, like just stop. Or like you know I like the gyms. For me, a gym looks 
always very stupid but when you see a gym from the outside people like listening to a book that is being read to them while they work out and it's like oh yeah and then i'm gonna you know cycle home while i do my mental calendar or whatever for the next week it's like this maximizing your life will actually minimize your experience of it i don't know if people know that as it's my interpretation of it but like we need time to just sit down and be fine you know and like that doesn't Like, everyone goes to a therapist here, and that's because people don't have time. They've gone insane. They don't even have time to sit down and say, okay, I'm losing my shit now. I need to figure it out. Um, I've never heard so many people saying, and casually talking about their therapist. I've never heard this in my life, like in no other country. Probably because the countries I work with, people actually have gone insane because it's like war or something. So they wouldn't talk about it so casually because it's actually really, really like a place of a lot of pain. But here, like, people just casually say that. I think, I don't know, I think there's an issue about that. I don't, I don't want to hurt your feelings, because I know, like, you, lo you love New York. But for me... First of all, I don't love New York. All right, okay. Well, like, I, I think I it's don't, cool. I'm, I'm just, you know, I guess what they call it, and I've heard it from my city when people would come to Philly, and they call themselves, like, implants. And essentially, they're people who've come from a different state and now operate within... A, you know this new state and uh you know they're acclimated they have a nice job they're able to afford a nice place you know they can live generally safe and you know f pay for food etc and do extracurriculars uh but they're not you know from that state or city right. just yet and it's kind of it takes time um the funny part is in philly it probably takes much less time Whereas in New York, you know, it's kind of like a high criteria to be called a New Yorker. Right. And sure, there's some things you can do or things that you can say or ways that you can think that can get you really, that can speed up your New Yorker mm -hmm. transition. But, you know, I think for me, having experience with places that aren't as, uh, call it urban. Yeah. Like urban metropolis, metropolis, so to speak. Babylon. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it really allows me to appreciate those places because right. you're right, everything here is so perfect, so big, so, you know, full that it becomes a little difficult to, uh, to really fit in. I see that. I can definitely see that. It's like New York is trying to be everyone's place, which it can become, but... It never really becomes like a home home unless somehow you can really make that commitment, which is difficult. Yeah. Because you, know, you have to say at that point, I want to be in New York. I want to stay here. I want to live here forever. And I want to do that. On the other end, you might end up doing all of that, but you didn't really acknowledge it or you weren't aware. And then you feel kind of stuck or trapped or you look back and say, man, time really flew. Yeah. And so there is that fear of for me always avoiding you know looking back in 15 years and being like wow i've been in new york for 20 years yeah. like don't want to say that you know don't want to like look in the mirror be completely bald and like <laughs> you know be like <laughs> walking with a limp <laughs> and uh you know feel that way so you know I, i think there's kind of like a a conscious part of my body that's like always surveying other opportunities in other places i can see that so that i don't trap Or yeah. let time just consume my, like, you know. Yeah, myself. it has to be a choice, basically. Like, you have to know why you're here. 
not just stay because life. Um, but this is the case for everywhere. The thing is, I don't know. Here, it's a very special place. I don't know how to say it. It's it's because um, I'm f from Italy originally, and like people used to say, America. The America is the place of dreams. It's it it, it wasn't even used as like to mean America. A America actually meant realization and dreams and you know happiness and all that happening. It was like. A lot more and then people come and they stay for here for 40 years and like like the guy that we met yesterday the French from Dominic no from Dominican Republic oh yeah who's like I've been here for 40 years but I want to go back do you actually believe he's gonna go back I don't know because it's that's the thing like people say I'm not I'm not very happy here like I can't make it to the end I mean, of the yeah, month but let's say like your minimum wage salary here is like you know thirty thousand dollars and then if you go back to maybe like you know your native dominican republic are you gonna make half of that yeah but are you gonna spend half of that how and expensive so, is this so, place and so to your point you know there should be like you know financial advisors that like help people understand you know how to you know there should be more than just money that's also the next thing people here talk about money so much i've never had this in my life always about money like your job is not just your money it's your satisfaction it's your you know it's what you you look in the mirror and say i'm so proud of myself it's what you do like your your job is not just an occupation or something that you brag about it's something that fills most of your day that fills your life with content supposedly hopefully like yeah, i don't know i hear that but I, I think new york to that extent gives a lot of people some people know but I'm talking about the people who do work here and enjoy it and live here. A lot of their work feels, you know, fulfilling and some, you know, people feel like they're doing important things. I'm not sure everyone does. So, for example, I have an example. So, you can't use it against me. I'm <laughs> pointing a finger. Um, so, I was, the other day, I was in an Uber pool. And this, the driver was talking to me and he looked really upset. So I was like, what's happening? I was doing the shrink thing. And he was like, oh, actually, I'm, I'm dating this woman and she, she's a really rich, has a lot of money. And I don't have money. I come from a very poor background, etc. And he, he says it, but with a kind of pride, like, I made myself kind of thing. Like, um, like I come from a, another state and, you know, I come from a really poor background and I'm, and I'm fine, but like, I don't have the kind of money that she does. Um, she, she has so much and blah, blah, blah. And like, it became an issue. So we talked for like half an hour because it was like the whole south of Brooklyn to north of Brooklyn. And he, the whole time he was just like, basically money was the only thing that he was talking about in his relationship. I had to ask him, do you love her? Like, why are you with her? Do you spend your, like, do you like this time that you spend together? Do you, what is she like? He didn't say anything. He was just talking about the money and about class. It was more than money. It was about social class. Like, oh, I'm like low income, whatever. She's rich. Who cares? And at the same time, when he was saying it, I was like, really? Is it that much of an issue? Like, how, just tell me how you feel about her. And he was like, eh, whatever. So this is when I realized that this city is also built in like two different rail railways. There's the fast one, the pretty one for rich people. And then there's the other one, which is so slow and doesn't really get you to wherever you want to go. And it doesn't look great. 
and this is the city because and this is most cities but I I felt it really strongly here like I told you the first week I was here was in a really nice hotel in Midtown like all the restaurants are so nice and everything is so cool and then all of a sudden I need to find a place to stay and I'm in like lower Brooklyn and I'm like isolated from things uh, I have to take the subway for like 45 minutes to get anywhere it doesn't look pretty all of a sudden my life is not the same and this is me staying here for two weeks with you know and I feel really privileged but like what about the people who don't have that privilege and have to get up at four in the morning to get to their work at nine and have to do the same to go back and they have a family to sustain and stuff I don't know it's like it's like a very different life experience for different people and I think the ones that you'll hear saying like oh this place is so full of everything and it's so great um, are the people who made it because they were lucky enough to make it and then there's the other ones who would never be lucky enough to make it because they just don't come from that upbringing and they're stuck in this kind of shitty life not depressing at all <laughs> yeah i mean i think no you're definitely right there's definitely like the rich way to live new york and then there's like the normal way to live new york the only thing i would differ with you is that for a lot of people this lifestyle is actually although not amazing and not great and i think they could find a better life in other places this is still a good life for them but why to be honest i don't know because i'm not like a new yorker but i i know people who work here work every day and you know they're they're happy maybe drugs has a huge thing to do with it and like <laughs> you know being able to drink you know the pain away to et pull through the day like perhaps but uh you know it's if this place was so bad people would leave right no, but people don't leave because they always think that, you know, there's a reason why they're there. And why would everyone dream about New York if it's not amazing? There's, that's why I'm saying it's an ideal. Because you, you, if you're here, especially from like Europe or even South America, if you travel very fa far, you're like, there's a reason why I came here. I've been dreaming for it for years. It would cost a lot of money to be here as well. So you, in, you invest in it. It's kind of something that you've been looking forward to for a long time. So you wouldn't just arrive and be like, oh, no, I hate it, then leave. You'd be like, wait, let, let, let's just see. And then the let's just see becomes like two years. And then it becomes like, oh, well, this is my life now. Like people are used to this. And it's also a lot about showing off, about showing other people. It's not just about your own happiness. And this is what I see. Like, I don't know if this is global. Maybe I'm just isolated because I live in a refugee camp and I don't know the world anymore. But like... I went to a party and the first thing I heard was like, is this place Instagram friendly? I don't know what this means up until now, but like these people were coming just to take pictures and to show off. Like it didn't really matter if they were having a good time. Like a guy said, oh, I dressed up like this because it looks like it'll look good on my profile picture or whatever. And I was like, what? I don't know. So like this well, also yeah. works for people who came here, sorry, who came here for, from like another country and they can't just arrive and say oh I hate it and leave also because so many expectations are on them to do great so they have to tell their families back home like I'm doing so great I promise I'm doing great and they're stuck in that thing and they're like no no no, no I promise yeah yeah and like 
take old pictures and say, oh, I've become a New Yorker. I, I go to Pan Quotidien every morning. And like, I go have lunch at this secret place and then I have that hot dog and then, you know, I go to work and, you know, whatever. You know? And this becomes like a routine, but like this routine that you've been like fantasizing about for so many years. And now that it's become your life, you feel like ungrateful to say, I'm not sure this makes me happy. And maybe after a while you stop asking yourself if you are happy. It just becomes your life. Yeah. Um, I think it's all very reasonable. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> But I think you kind of started touching on points that are just bigger than even New York. Um, you know, the need to show that you know, you're surviving. The need to be optimistic about where you are today can be much better tomorrow if you keep working at it you know those are to your point ideals that are uh, ingrained into American lifestyle uh, and maybe New York is the epitome of that but you know everyone who you know like the majority of people in this country are white um, and to the point where that there's probably a lot of you know white people who are also poor But there's also a lot of white people who associate with the Republican Party, who, you know, kind of is positioned as this kind of party of, for the rich in a lot of scenarios. But even those poor white people still stick with the Republican Party because the ideals of the Republican Party are, you know, it's up to the individual to create the life they want, that if you work hard, you'll, you know, get your... Your, your returns and that anyone can become, you know, wealthy and, you know, provide for the family. So, you know, it's, it, it, it really, to, to your point, you know, it really doesn't even matter in some cases where you are or how miserable your life is. It's, you know, we're all just chasing that American dream where we all expect mm -hmm. to have that American dream. And, you know, maybe in the uh, 1700s, 1800s, uh, early 1900s, that American dream, you know, seemed more accessible. You know, up until 1940s, uh, all the World War II veterans who came back, uh, you know, they passed the GI Bill that allowed them all to get, you know, free higher education so they could go learn, you know, college or go to college, learn various skills and trades and then make a good living for themselves. Uh, and I feel like, you know, over the past, you know, few decades, that's kind of dissipated. Instead, you know, we've seen growing bubbles of credit card debt, mm. housing debt, student loan debt. And, you know, there's not even any glimpse of really government contribution to alleviate any of this. Uh, and then you have people saying that there really shouldn't be any government contribution. Government's already big enough. It government government's, you know, giving welfare and food stamps and making people dependent, etc. So, you know, I, I don't know what to say. Do you think people can, you know, is there like individualistic power? Can people bring the life or like, you know, achieve the lifestyle they want if they really go at it diligently? Or, you know, do they just need to find a nice island and just relax and enjoy life and don't worry about it? Okay, so there's so many things in what you just said. Um, I think the, the ideal, the American dream is you'll make it from nothing and you'll, make, you'll do great. Like, you'll build yourself up. And this is what the guy in the taxi was saying to me. He was like, I made myself and I'm so proud of it. 
I come from a family where my dad did the same. He made himself from very poor family, poor income family to he did quite well. Um, but this is an exception. In in reality, that doesn't exist. In in reality, especially here in the U.S., and it can be kind of the same in the U.K. Um, you go to a certain school, right? Well, actually, you go from a, to a certain kindergarten. You're even born in a certain hospital, and this will mean your trajectory your life trajectory is already defined there is there is a limit to how much you can expect your life to improve from that so like from the kindergarten that you go to the quality of the education that you receive there um to the university that you go to and the kind of debt that you have to be into and then start your employment with that weight on your shoulders that defines you like that defines the way you see yourself and the way you see yourself in the society where you might feel like a burden or and you feel like you you have a burden on you as well so it's i think this is really negative i don't i'm not sure i can see this positively and then on the other side um you know there's people who say oh i like i made it out out of nothing it's like very unlikely very very unlikely that you made it by yourself in this life so You have people who can even go to the same school and then grow so far apart because I have contacts from my dad and you don't. And you have to do a second job to pay your high school or your university and I don't have to do that. So all the time that you spend working, I spend studying and making contacts and networks and doing this extracurricular things that look so good on my CV. This this is the reality. This This is what real people have to go through and then you know if someone made it so great like I did because I was really really lucky and very privileged I went to university without having to do anything extra I did so great yeah I'm like the example of doing great but actually I know so many people who didn't do so great because they had to spend so much time working or helping their family or they didn't go to university because they had a family to take care of so how you do especially in an environment like here where everything is so expensive uh, you don't do great because you're great you do great because you were able to you do great because you were lucky enough to you know have that opportunity and so so yeah of course of course it's linked to your background and it's linked to like your understanding of how good you can do in life um, and then there's something that you said also about like um, about race and I've actually rarely seen a country or a society so segregated once I like I was another time I was in a in a in a taxi and I said like taxi stories here I know so many taxi stories this is where you discover life isn't it (laughs) and like I was in a taxi and this woman it was a pool as well and there was a woman behind me and I was like oh what do you think of these different neighborhoods I was trying to get like tips on places to go and I was like what do you think about Bushwick And, and she goes yeah, it's a, it's a place with lots of white kids. And I was like, okay. Then I go, what do you think about like these other places? And she, the, the only answer I got from her was like, what kind of um, skin color do people who stay around here have? That's it. Nothing else. Like not there's a cool bar, there's a cool cinema or like whatever. Just, yeah, here it's lots of black kids and here it's lots of white kids and here it's lots of like Spanish speaking people. And I'm like... It's not this first of all it's not relevant to me at all and that was the worst kind ever and second of all like why would you feel like you need to say that it's not relevant 
it's not and but but the reason why she would say that is because maybe she felt like segregated or she felt like there is this division um, yeah, in I the mean, different neighborhoods I, I think, and stuff I think unfortunately there is an obvious division you know if you go past your commercial buildings office buildings and you kind of look who's doing security yeah you know look if you go to your food places and you look who's serving your food take a look you know when you get on your subways and your buses take a look uh there is a you know an, an interesting uh you know separation of demographics uh But, you know, I also see kind of a, a change on the way when I look at a lot of these colleges uh, like the SUNY and the Baruch College and like a lot of the New York state schools. Uh, there's a lot of young immigrants, Asian, Spanish, uh, mm. you know, Greeks, Polish, Russians, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it seems that, you know, the sacrifices that maybe some of the parents are making doing these jobs that are you know, I guess not necessarily white collar, but more of these, you know, kind of blue collar for the modern day type jobs. Uh, you know, I think New York has done a good job at providing free state tuition, you know, if you're a New York resident or if you get good grades. And, you know, there's, there's definitely a good education trajectory, at least to kind of help people, uh, you know, move forward with, you know, a path that's better than their parents. You know, it's not the same in Philly. There's not really free education. You know, you still got to pay for it. Even community college, you got to still pay for it. And I know a lot of people get hung up at community. Mm. Um, um, even people go to, you know, their four-year college, and then, you know, by freshman year, they're like, this isn't what I want to do, or why am I mm. here, or I'm going crazy, or this is way too expensive, etc. So, um, you know, I don't know. I see New York and California as kind of two of the most progressive states when it comes to higher education because there's a lot of free tuition if okay. you're an actual resident. So, you know, it's possible maybe New York has realized its kind of, you know, social or economic structures. You know, a lot of the gent I mean, the person who was talking about Brooklyn, I've talked to people who are from Brooklyn like 10, 15 years ago, and everyone says it used to be so different. Mm -hmm. And all these hipsters came in. <laughs> And now it's just, you know, it's just white now. And those people don't feel that way just because they're observing it, but maybe they feel like they lost a part of their home that was taken from them or their neighborhood was completely transformed and they had, there was nothing they could do about it. And now maybe that favorite bar or restaurant that they used to be able to talk about doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Or it does exist, but it's completely occupied by like, you know, people who don't really associate with what was there before mm. and they don't know how to fit in with this new culture they don't want to fit in with this new culture because they had something before and it now doesn't exist mm. you know can you imagine all the people who lived in brooklyn 10 15 years ago and then let's say they leave and they come back and it's like completely different yeah. Williamsburg's completely different bushwick's completely different flatbush is completely different you know you got to go deep deep brooklyn to your point to find real like communities who've actually been there they're not just you know temporarily there for jobs or like you know because they want to have a cool you know experience no their family was there their grandma was there 
but a lot of those people have moved out. And some of that has to do with rent prices of course. skyrocketing, which is probably the, the biggest elephant in the room is, you know, rent is really hard to afford here. And so if you can't afford the rent, you're going to have to move farther away. And, you know, the farther away you move, the you more you kind of yeah. realize, like, wow, New York isn't this great, sexy, amazing place. There's, exactly. you know, it's almost like, you know, an adventure just to get to, you know, what I need to get to. Yeah. Uh, and Manhattan becomes like a capital that's far away from yeah, your life Manhattan experience. Manhattan becomes a central, like, metropolis of, you know, making money and feeling good and enjoyment and, you know, great vision. Uh, and then your place is kind of just really the place you need to sleep, eat, and then, you know, take a shower, get dressed, and then you got to get your ass back out to the metropolis so that you yeah. can uh, put in the work. And uh, take those, like, three hours a day together or something. Yeah. And then there's, like, yeah, it's, 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 exactly, it's exactly that. And that, that's how marginalization happens. When you, when you tell people because of the money that you have or because of the family that you come from, you're going to have to live, you know, in the corner while everyone is around the table, you know? So, and the thing is, as long as most people are around the table and there's not many people in the corner, it's fine. But when there's only the few very privileged ones around the table and everyone else is, like, in the four corners of the room, that's when the situation starts to be a bit unstable, I think. So, we're talking about New York life a lot, mm -hmm. you know, Uh, there's a lot to say there was a lot to say a lot of it you know a lot of it not negative but just uh, I feel like it was quite negative it's negative in a way so maybe it is negative what are the good things that you've seen in New York what's kind of the the weird quirky awe inspiring or optimistic uh, you know things you've seen here is there any hope slither of light that's <laughs> shining out of the sky that you know even in the midst of all this you know depression is there some silver lining is there some positive there is. of course there is. that just somehow keep us alive as people keep us getting up every day to you know fight for the good of course there's even just for contrast it needs to be so there is there is to be fair um There's a lot of things. First of all, this happened the other day. I was in Grand Central, just looking at people, because I have nothing better to do. And there was a mob of people who just arrived. And they were calling for gender equality and the rights for transgender people. And I was like, this is so great. And as a, as a reflex, when I saw two military people, I said, okay, I better stay here just to make sure that everyone's staying alive. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll drop that in. I'll drop yeah. that in for sure. Um, yeah, and when I saw the... Wait, sorry. <laughs> so you saw the, uh, you know, the activist group for <clears throat> transgender rights, and then you saw some military people, and you thought, you know, oh shit, as, you know, as an international global affairs person, you kind of yeah. saw some conflict or something boiling I thought someone was gonna get killed or something so I stayed there which is probably like not you know relevant for me to think of New York um, but I was looking I would I just stayed there to make sure that everyone was staying alive so
So you see the transgender activist group, you see some military people, you see obviously a whole bunch of just other people running for their trains. Yeah. And you're just in the midst of all of this, just soaking it in, completely new experience. You have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. And to you, that was a optimistic or a positive New York experience. No, well, no. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is that when I saw the military people walk in, I turned around because I was leaving. I turned around. I look at the situation. I'm like, someone's going to get murdered. Like, because I'm not used to living in a country where you're able to ask for your rights like that. And then nothing happens. Well, nothing bad happens. I mean, like, so I, I stay there for maybe 10 more minutes. And they were just staying there just to check if everything was going to be okay, I guess. And then everyone was there demanding for their rights. And, um... And no one interfered, at least in those 10 minutes. I hope it continued this way. But this was amazing. Like, you, you can just go in the street and say, you know, I'm different to what most people are like, but I still want to be treated fine. I still want to be included in the government. And, you know, there's a reason why they feel like there aren't. But what's important is that they can ask for it to people in the street like this. They just arrived. They were not... You know, they were not stopped. They, they didn't feel, like, scared for their safety. This was great, well, basically. Yeah, and, that's, and that's the American way, back to kind of our early statements. Like, I can be broke. I can work my ass off all day. Like, you know, be covered in oil and coal by the time I'm done. But as long as I have a right to have my beer, watch TV, like, scratch my ass, do, you know, what I want to do, or, you know, ask for rights, or, you know... Oh, it's not exactly the same it's not the same, but essentially, as long as I have the ability to exercise my liberty as an right. American, yeah. then I'm not going to revolt. I'm not going to just create, you know, yeah. chaos. I, I can operate within society. But if you start doing things that take away from people's yeah. rights or uh, upset people's, you know, liberty values, yeah. you'll actually find probably a bigger, you know, complication than you would with what we're saying about people's just everyday totally. living. Yeah, I think freedom is the one thing that if you took away from the people, they would it would be chaos. Yeah, because this is the, the this country is about freedom, freedom of being who you want to be, uh, of going in the street and rebelling, of yeah, all these things. So this is what this country is about, I think. Um, also, another positive thing, which is kind of in the same in the same idea, is that. If you're gay, for example, or if you, you know, have different political affiliations in your home country, wherever that may be, you may feel um, marginalized. And here, that's not the case. So I've, I've seen, well, I mean, that's not the case from what I've seen. I don't want to, you know, it, may, it might not be the case for everyone. But I, I saw people walking the street dressed in, like, whatever ways and not feel they didn't look like they felt pressure to do anything about it they were fine and like so th this is a massive um positive thing about here you can do whatever you want you can so this is the dream the idea is that you can become whoever you want to become and you know to at least be able to believe in that ideal is really strong to actually this might be the most important thing is that However, you know, however shit a lot of things we've just talked about can be, people still seem to believe that they can be whatever they want to be in life. And that's like, doesn't have a price. That's amazing. Nice. 
things. Glad there are some positive things about New York. Of course, there are. Also, food is great, and you know, like lots of things are great. Beautiful, beautiful sights. Like, the ice skating skills of people that you would not expect that would have. Yeah, there is like a nice, like kind of quirky randomness of New York, right? You see yeah. someone, you're like, oh, this person's like some hobo and then next thing you know they're like playing the guitar to like your favorite song or something like that you know what i'm saying there's like a folklore to it did you say folklore oh uh, i word? said quirkiness but yeah folklore do you kind of see that like what like a magical or like a no like a cultural folklore uh, of like things being quite weird but cute and interesting yeah well i think that's what a lot of people like about new york that you don't get in other places. It's, you know, everyone that you see is gonna be like the most of that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you don't There's just no see measure, a yeah. hobo. You see like a hobo who's like really making it in New York. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or you don't just see like someone who's playing the drums for money, but you see someone who's like an actual, like they might be like from the like symphony yeah. And they're just like undercover playing the drums just so they can like, you know, feel the, you know, vibe of the people or something. Yeah. And so you kind of never know how to say, oh, that person's not doing something or that person's like this, even though it ends up becoming that. Whereas in some cities, you can kind of instantly be like, well, this person obviously is, you know, like struggling or this person is obviously kind of in this category. You can't really put people into categories unless they like wear a suit and tie or like kind of you know do something that's like really cliche yeah like you know who your wall street guy is you know who like you know your your business people are but yeah when you actually start looking at people and trying to say well you know this person is you know of this race or something but they can very well be you know yeah i see what you mean you don't don't have to be expectations you're just even like the way new yorkers talk like i don't care how you know low you get paid or how like you know marginalized your upbringing has been like if you're a new yorker you have a much higher level of confidence of communicating of navigating than you would with someone who might be more successful might be you know more renowned but you know, it's they don't have that New York confidence that you kind of have to develop as you mature through the city. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not exclusive to New York because you haven't and you haven't necessarily been here. But, <laughs> but I, see what, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. There's like everyone's a, a little quick on their feet, you know? Everyone's yeah. really... Like, everyone's got a story to tell. But that's maybe because it's a jungle. Because if you survive through this jungle, you come out of it with a certain... I wouldn't say strength, but a certain ability... A certain ability, you know, to navigate things. It's true. To be able to walk quickly and to think quickly and to react and these things. Yeah, that makes you like a very flexible animal. (laughs) Yeah, I I think like, yeah, there's a kind of pressure that you need to be able to undertake. And that makes you... I don't want to say stronger. Please find another word. Like, I mean, I think more agile. Ability makes more sense. Yeah, agile. Yeah, I think it's to your point, jungle style. So your reflexes, your ability to see, you know, predators or see prey or you know, 
find home and shelter. Yeah. Get food. You know, it's pretty optimized here. It's just based on, you know, surviving here. You kind of need to have that, you know. Uh, there's That's like the baseline of survival is like essentially to flourish as much as you can. Um, with that said, what, what type of locations, places, you know, nations do you find ideal for quality of life and happiness? Um, I don't know because I haven't seen enough countries to be able to say that, but my, I think the country where I'd be really happy would be a country where there's a mix of enough well-being um, and enough services, kind of, to ensure that I feel fine and protected, and, but also a more relaxed lifestyle, one where I feel like I can be whoever I want and I'm fine and my rights are being respected and all this so for me I think a country like Argentina would feel like the right mix and what's what's in Argentina what's is it a good government well, good education first of all well exactly yeah there's uh, amazing education a uh, very progressive government uh, even though maybe uh, Argentinians will not agree with me but compared to many other countries um, they have I mean a lot of culture. Uh, they've been mixed with Italians, for example. So my family, for example, comes from Argentina. Uh, so there, there's a lot of mix between other cultures, so they're not close-minded like other countries could be. And, um, and they have everything. It's a beautiful country as well. You have like mountains, and you have the beach, and you have so many things. And it's close to many other countries you could travel to, so I don't know. It feels amazing. Yeah, yeah. what type of industry is down there? I have so no like, idea. Please don't ask me questions I don't have answers to. Okay. I mean, what, what type of like work do people do there? Are they like teachers, doctors, lawyers? Well, there's teachers and doctors everywhere. Do they like, do mining, farming? You know, uh, is there like rainforest where they have coffee like Brazil or is there like, you know? I literally don't know. Okay. I'm sure they have many, many things. But, you know, just in case anyone's curious to, like, want to go to Argentina and live, you know, you kind of have to be able to support yourself and, you know, <laughs> might not be just teaching English. So you got to kind of, you know, you have to start thinking, okay. But there's many things. There's, like, big cities, so you can do whatever you want. Okay. So there's a solid infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Fair enough. And it's beautiful. And I think, actually, this is so important to me, the aesthetic of your life. So like in a city like this, with the kind of money that I have, I could not lead a beautiful life. My life would have to be very metallic and very dark and like very dirty. Yeah. I think you would need to be really rich to spend, like to have a life here that's, you know, shiny. Whereas in a place like Argentina, like Buenos Aires, for example, you could have a beautiful life with lots of sun and a beautiful view and a house that's like decent without having to be super rich. And this for me is like a respect to humankind to live a life that's not only dignified, but actually that makes you feel good about yourself. That makes you feel like you're rewarded for being there, for doing the work that you do, that you wake up in the morning and you say, this is beautiful. This is so important for me. It's not just aesthetics, actually. It's not superficial at all. It makes you want to do things for you, for your family, for... Yeah, yeah. it gives you that hope and a good feeling of I'm being, I'm being thanked, you know? People are thankful to me. So it's like the cost of living can become a major deterrent to 
or can become a major factor to a place's lack of beauty. You know, if it takes so much time, so much energy, so much resources to actually enjoy being in a particular place, yeah. that place loses its value. It it would, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. So you need to find a place that balances these things. Your rights being respected, which is not given like in most places. Um, your services, basic services being delivered to you so that you feel comfortable that you can, you know, go to a hospital, for example, and have your kids in school. And then have this kind of serenity, you know, life that's good. And uh, yeah, where you feel like you're, you can be, you can be your best person there. I think that's the most important thing as well. Do you think New York is going to be able to make that change, that shift? Or do you think that there will have to be like a boiling point and, you know, something like, you know, there will have to be some type of kind of like our financial crisis in 2009 or 10 or 11. Wow. Uh, you know, there's kind of like the bubble, the bubble bursts, the exposure and the awareness is on the, the bad things, you know, things start going into place to fix it and then you know over time it kind of fizzles out of history and memory and then it typically repeats again uh but you know we're all conscious so maybe there's things that people can do to fix it there's a local election coming up next week the midterms uh i've seen a lot of people excited you know people are writing postcards to uh you know different government officials people are volunteering, uh, you know, to go door to door. Uh, one of my friends said they're having a watching party, uh, you know, kind of, there seems to be like an excited time. Uh, you know, politically, there's so much kind of amplification of like what Donald Trump's been doing, what Congress has been doing, the whole Supreme Court decision, sexual harassment, uh, you know, the dichotomy between Democrats and Republicans. People are aware of what the issues are um, or what, you know, the factors are that are creating the issues. Um, but also, you know, including myself, I'm just so like, I don't know really how to fix it. You know, I know what to do to seem like I'm fixing it or what's told to be fixing it. But, you know, to really fix these issues, I don't know if it's political. I don't know if it's economical. I don't know if it's social. I don't know if it's just you know, me needing to move to Argentina and just enjoy my life and then show people that there's, you know, alternatives. There's not just this one path. Uh, so, you know, is there a way for, you know, I guess large metropolises such as New York to not just be, you know, this thing for rich people or for people who just want to make it, but is it really a way for it to be a good lifestyle for people and for people to enjoy it? I'm sure there is. And I mean, if, if people go voting, this is always important. Just people go, like, express their political will. I think it's a mix. It's always a mix of politics and economics and everything. But I'm sure it can be solved. Uh, I, I admit I had this ap apocalyptical feeling. Apocalyptic? Yeah. Ap apocalyptical. Apocalyptic. Ap apocalyptic. Yes. Okay, so when I arrived here, I did have an apocalyptic feeling kind of like it was the end of the world. Like I was standing on the edge of something. So I feel, I feel, it's a feeling, it's like a sensation that you're on the, this, this city or this country even is on the edge of like a massive change. This is what it feels like. Uh, that 
people are realizing that this system is not sustainable, it's not gonna work, so it has to change. But maybe you're being more hopeful than I am. Maybe you're right. The elections will change things and maybe, you know, small things like civil society and small, you know, startups and new initiatives can change this current situation. But I still have a small feeling that there will be an explosion that will put everything to the ground and then I'll have to start again. I have a feeling. It might just be a feeling. Hopefully it's just a feeling and then everyone will get it through the day. Inshallah. <laughs> gotcha. All right, thanks. All right, so, uh, That's cool. you know, I appreciate your... Uh, you know, inputs and giving us your unique perspective. Uh, you know, I wish we had more time to dive into, you know, your vast global experience traveling the seas and countries and doing all the great humanitarian work you do with people right on the ground. You know, you don't just sit in a nice fancy air conditioned office, at least I don't think you do, and uh, talk about these things, but you actually, you know, work hands in hand with people in their respective countries and try to help mobilize them and, you know, help them achieve what they want. Um, so, you know, thank you uh, for sharing. And uh, Thank you for giving me the opportunity to do so. This was yeah. the first one. We can talk about New York, but the next time we can talk about Yeah, for sure. Something where it's better.